Welcome to a Pulp Event Podcast, brought to you by the PulpNet, your link to the online world of the Pulp magazines for over 25 years. Online at thepulp.net. In this Pulp Event Podcast, Bob Dice and Wyatt Doyle, co-editors of the Men's Adventure Library book series, profile Ava Lind, countess, actress, and cover girl. Ava was an artist's model who graced the covers of many men's adventure magazines, which evolved from the pulp magazines. She also acted in TV shows and commercials. Bob runs the website, menspulpmags.com. Wyatt is the head of the new texture publishing imprint. They worked with Ava Lynn to create the book about her, Ava, men's adventure supermodel. This event was recorded on Saturday, August 21, 2021, at PulpFest 2021 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wyatt begins. We're going to, we'll, we'll proceed chronologically somewhat, and although Ava cannot be here, she can be with us in a virtual sense, and we'll let her introduce herself and give a little of her background. I was born in Sweden, in uh, the biggest, second biggest city, I guess, Gothenburg, and um, my mother was already in America in 1948, so I lived with my grandmother a great deal, and I was shipped off to the United States in 1950, and my mother was waiting for me in New York City, and talking about being a little bit unbelievable when it comes to uh, trading places. I I lived in a small town with my grandmother, which was outside of Gutenberg. And coming from that town to New York City was earth-shaking in a lot of ways, because I could hardly believe the tall buildings and and the taxi cabs and all the noise, all the people, all the lights. It was uh, a total transformation. It was sort of amazing all the way around. And then I lived there for a little bit and ended up in Ohio. But not first of all, I went to high school of music and art in New York. And then I ended up in Ohio in my final two years uh, in Ashtabula, in a small town in Ashtabula, which I still love very much. I think of that as my hometown in the United States because that's the longest I ever stayed anywhere. I moved around a lot, which is a whole different story. Anybody here from Ashtabula or nearby? All right. <laughs> Outstanding. I'm from Dayton. I didn't know you were from Dayton. See, all these Ava neighbors. So something Ava left out of her, of her introduction to herself is the fact that, as Mike said, uh, she's Swedish royalty. And I'm going to read uh, her comments from the book about that. She says, the fact that my father was a count makes me a countess. But I never thought much about that, since my idea, since my idea of being a countess was that I should be rich and live in a castle. <laughs> since none of that was true, I never used my title or thought it was important. Some friends used to call me countess as a nickname, and my brother, who still lives in Sweden, uses his title, uh, Count Asti von Felitz. Uh, my paternal grandfather was born in Riga, Latvia. Uh, legend has it that he lived in a castle until the family moved to Norway. Uh, so, although Ava is royalty, it's not something she really trades in very much, although having a nickname Countess in the 50s is kind of hip. Well, and it was used in some of the pinup photo spreads 
that she modeled for. They would call her the Countess. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a great hook. Um, Ava, obviously, as she said, she moved around a lot. Her, her mother had moved to the States ahead of her, and she was primarily raised by her grandparents and her a fairly idyllic kind of childhood, and mostly in the country. And so when she came to New York, as she said, it was just an overwhelming experience for her. And uh, I have to wonder, there's, there's no way she could have predicted uh, what New York would hold for her in the future. Uh, now, the, before I change the slide, I have to ask, am I the only one who sees a little bit of Kirsten Dunst in that one photo? All right. Well, when I lived in Astabula in the summertime, there was a nearby summer stock company that hired me for both summers, my junior and senior year summer. And I learned everything about acting from the ground up. I painted scenery, I did healthy costumes, uh, and I even did a few small parts, which was very nice. It thrilled me a lot. I learned a lot. I loved it. And I knew, of course, at that point that I was going to be an actress and possibly a model, but mostly an actress, because that's what I really loved. So here we see Ava on stage as a bit of a beatnik there. And does anybody recognize her, her later very famous uh, compatriot there on the far left of the screen? That would be amazing if that was Elvis. That is for sure. <laughs> the, the king and the countess. <laughs> I'll give, you, I'll give you a hint. We just lost him. He just passed away very recently. Uh, good guess. Very close. Very close but kind of physical uh, resemblance there. Uh, I'll throw out a few movies. The Heartbreak Kid. Bingo. That is Charles Grodin. Charles... So that was before he was Charles Grodin. And uh, apparently he wrote about his years in this theater company in his autobiography. But Ava said he was not very kind about the theater company. So at some point I'll... I'll have to track that down and see it. Um, Ava was seen that she was pretty much had very happy times in, this, in the theater company and working in summer stock. Uh, but she, as she said, she moved around quite a bit. And eventually she was back in New York. Um, and this will give you a sense of, um, of, of how her, her earliest beginnings as a model and as a, um, a pinup, really, my earliest modeling experience had to do with uh, just modeling, I guess, for for uh, pinup people. I had some beauty contests going that I won, and I think somebody saw me in that and decided I should be doing some pinups. So that's how that started, and it was sort of fun. I enjoyed doing it. I was pleased that somebody thought I was pretty enough to want to photograph me and use me in magazines. That was sort of startling in a way. I was 17 at the time, and I didn't really know that I was that pretty. But evidently somebody thought so. So that helped because it made more money than I made, at, for example, working for Schratz, which I did for a little while before I got started. And uh, it went from there. Actually, I did some television, uh, early television things like with Steve Allen and uh, those early people, which was also fun. 
mostly because I had been uh, a beauty queen, I guess, so I did some of those on those shows. And that was really fun, too. I enjoyed that. My earliest experience, I guess, was uh, working with Carol Burnett in a little skit. And I realized then how absolutely marvelous she was, and I had a lot to learn, which hopefully I did later on. So basically, Ava's entree into modeling and uh, acting in a particularly more glamorous type of roles was via... Uh, these beauty contests and some of them like Miss Steel Pier, that was a big one. That was uh, Atlantic City, I believe. Miss Value for Money, which is amazing. Uh, she didn't remember too much about that one. But the Miss Dairy Queen up top is... <laughs> That's actually from a Steve Allen Show skit. So she had been discovered as a beauty queen in these various contests and they brought her on and she was kind of a... a, a Cameo, she made a lot of cameo appearances as when they needed a, a beautiful woman for a skit or a sketch or just to come out and hand Steve Allen something. She did quite a bit of that. She referred to working with Carol Burnett, which was also in the show. And the, as she described it, of course, these, it's, uh, it hasn't survived, the footage, but she said it was basically her and Carol Burnett came walking out across on opposite ends of the stage. They were both wearing the same outfit. And as they passed each other, they both gave each other a little sniff and moved on. I would love to see that. She would love to have it. But uh, So from there, obviously, these photos circulated. They went out on wire services. Um, and that was a, another great le uh, level of notoriety for her that then led to her work as a pinup. Pinup modeling has to do with just looking pretty and being a bit sexy. So looking into camera with the idea of, I love you, making love to the camera and just moving around a little bit so they see part of you and they can take picture after picture after picture. But that's basically it. They're showing emotion and uh, being, I guess, sexy. That's about it. Uh, this is a fraction, I mean, a true tip of the tip of the iceberg in terms of how many pinup spreads ended up being published uh, featuring Ava. Uh, she sometimes uh, had, a, had an understanding of, of uh, how, they, how she'd be presented, and other times not at all. And there would be some very ridiculous statements attributed to her in these pinups that could have only come from the mind of a magazine editor trying to stimulate their readership. And um, could you speak to that, Bob, the pinup uh, pin world in, in magazines at that time? Yeah, in fact, that, I'd say she was probably seen more by more men in, in, in her pinup photos uh, than anything because she was on the cover or in interior spread, photo spreads of dozens of men's adventure uh, men's uh, bachelor magazines and pinup magazines and photo magazines and you folks who who know vintage mags know there were a lot of, there were several different genres back then there were little digest photo magazines um, uh, and, and other kinds of bachelor magazines before playboy sort of changed the playing field and 
Ava, even though Ava continued to, to model into the 60s, long after Playboy started, um, you know, she was really a glamour girl pinup model. She wasn't, you know, doing uh, uh, the kind that you would see in Playboy, although she did appear in Playboy in a couple of different ads. Uh, one for uh, tobacco, as I recall, one for shoe polish she, she modeled for. But uh, she, she was really very, very popular among some of, most of the top photographers who did pinup uh, photography used Ava at one, who were in New York, because that's where she was. That's where they were. That was the center of the universe for, for a lot of different magazines. And uh, one of them, uh, Peter Bash, uh, if you go and if you Google or, or search for Ava Lind uh, uh, on eBay, you'll often find lately uh, photos that Peter Bash took of her. And he wrote a lot of books on how to do uh, photography, pinup photography, lands, all kinds of photography. And now those, somebody's selling his estate, and those show up and sell for hundreds of dollars on eBay. It's amazing to me. I've, I've won a couple of them, but most of the time I get outbid. There was, uh, there was one magazine that Bob introduced me to that I, well, actually it was a pair of magazines that I thought were just such a strange concept. There was High and Ho. And the idea of those magazines was instead of, this was clearly a, a it was a gimmick and clearly a cost-cutting measure, whereas your normal magazine would be like this, these were like this, so they were almost more like a roadmap type magazine. Do you have them? They didn't last long, though, right? The high and ho were both yeah, very short-lived. Yeah, I think they were short-lived. <laughs> now, um, another form of modeling that Ava did early on and did quite a bit of was in, uh, she appeared frequently in true crime and romance magazines. And I thought, I wanted to ask her about those specifically because, as she explained, the pinup modeling is basically about looking gorgeous, looking sexy. Whereas with the true crime and the romance magazines, there was a little more to it. And I wondered, since, since her first love was acting, uh, we asked her what she thought in terms of how did, how did modeling uh, for those types of periodicals, how did that compare to uh, acting, acting, acting? The crime and romance magazine pictures are slightly different because, especially the crime magazines, because you have to do, uh, you have to act. You can't just there and pose. Sometimes you have to be running uh, away from somebody or struggling with somebody who is trying to kill you and this sort of thing. So you had to be in that sort of mind, acting wise, like this guy is going to kill me, so I better take care of myself. So there's where the acting comes in. Now, as far as the romance magazines, pretty much uh, the same as the pinup ones, because you're working with somebody. I have a couple of covers from uh, romance magazines where I'm just lying down on the ground and a guy is kissing me on the cheek and I look like this is the best thing that ever happened to me. So so again, the acting goes in there. Usually that would be with somebody you just met. Somebody would say, hi, this is Tom. You are now in love. He's making love to you on the ground. So what you're looking 
for is how much you love this lovemaking. And here are some samples of her romance covers. And as you can see, they're, they're mostly as she describes with her just in ecstasy while some fellow kisses her cheek. Um, these are, are a particularly interesting angle of her career or aspect of her career because she was constantly appearing in both these types of magazines. And yet she did not, uh, Ava was not somebody who went out and first off, she didn't know when or where, uh, a lot of her photos would appear. That goes for pinups and that goes for these magazines as well. Uh, so as a result, uh, and, and we'll get into how she finally saw them later, but there are, there's still, we've tracked down quite a bit with, with Ava's help, um, but there are still tons of Ava appearances in true crime and uh, romance magazines, which she's looked for for decades. She says the, the, she's had a heck of a time trying to find anybody who deals in the romance magazines of this era. Uh, so we really don't know uh, just how many appearances Ava made in the, in, the, in the true crime magazines or in these romance magazines. We have a little bit of a better handle on um, her appearances in Bachelor magazines. And of course, some of those pinup photos would then appear in men's adventure magazines, which we'll be getting into. But uh, yeah, that's part of the fun of, of being an Ava fan is trying to find all these pieces that even Ava doesn't know are out there. And because there's not, the, the true crime, there is a certain collectability uh, to those, but the, it's a much, the romance magazines are a much narrower niche, so it's, it's just not the kind of thing that pops up very often. So if you're going through some, some old romance magazines, keep an eye peeled for Ava, because she's almost certainly going to be in there from that era. We talked a little bit about uh, some of the advertising work that Ava did. And I asked for her thoughts on that and what that kind of modeling was like. So usually you are presenting a product. So you're either holding the product or looking at it or pointing at it. And it's the best thing that ever happened. Like this you must have because it works so well or it smells so good or everything is wonderful. And mostly it's about the product and not about you. Ava obviously did many ads. Uh, as you can see, there's the uh, shoe polish ad that Bob had mentioned, where she's a she's sort of a Robin. Her appearance is in Playboy. Yeah. Yeah. And next to that is the is the Kentucky uh, Club uh, advertisement that was also in Playboy. That's how Ava was in Playboy without being in uh, nude in Playboy. Up at the top there, you see her with some bowling pins. <laughs> That was another part of, uh, of the kind of modeling that she would do is where she would be a spokesmodel for a product or she would attend a movie premiere just simply being glamorous, just as a, as a figure of glamour uh, for hire in a sense. The, the uh, Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel uh, from your old stomping grounds. For they, sure. They used her as uh, on one of their postcards. They had a, um, a novelty postcard. I mean, it's, you're saying how many times has she, was, has she been photographed for the bank? Oh, it's just impossible to know. I mean, especially because of the way that a lot of the photos would be recycled and reused and they'd show up years and years later. Uh, and it's not, no one was under any obligation to let the models know uh, once they were paid for the session. No one was under any obligation to let them know when or where the photos might appear. 
And so she was, pictures of Ava from the 50s we would be running in magazines in the 70s. It's been a while since we looked at, since I looked for any of the romance magazines on you. When we were putting the book together, we were digging pretty hard. Yeah, and I was looking for specific ones that she would that she knew about. So there's probably lots that we don't know about. You can see here another one of her album covers too, as well. That was another uh, aspect of her modeling career. Um, on some of the album covers, she's very recognizably Ava, and on others, they're a little bit more abstracted. She's in heavy shadow. Um, so the, the other interesting thing about Ava's advertising work and the way that her her images keep coming back is we don't really know exactly what year this was, but it would have been in the early 2000s, I guess. A company called uh, Ann Tainter. Uh, are you familiar with that brand? They sh one of their angles that they used was they would take a lot of uh, vintage glamour photos and repurpose them with some kind of sarcastic comment. Snarky comment, like on dinner napkins and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, hers was, I hate camping. Or no, it wasn't I hate, it was like, um, I really love not camping. I really love not camping. And what they did was they just pulled her head and shoulders from the Kentucky, uh, Kentucky Club ad and basically dropped a, a hotel background behind her to make it seem like she'd much... Well, nobody ever checked with Ava about it, of course, but she was tickled to, that, she was, uh, that she'd been featured. And um, we reached out to uh, Ann Tainter Company and said, hey, we found one of your models. You know, Ava Lind is one of your models. And I have to believe that because they were, weren't authorized uses, they were uh, reluctant to get back to us. <laughs> They were everywhere, right? Oh, yeah, they had stuff everywhere. Ava's, the, the Ava image, we found it on a, it was like a makeup clutch on a change tray. keychains, all oh, kinds of Oh, on a keychain. Yeah, so she was, they definitely, hers was one of the more popular images, but um, I don't know if, I'd be interested to see if people are, list, like when people sell them on eBay, if they're referring they're to Ava to at this I've point. looked lately. Really? For okay. more on, uh, socks? I got the socks. <laughs> 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 I found the socks. I was. It was. Uh, this is classic. I'm going through a remaindered book catalog, um, and they had a couple other stray items. And all of a sudden, I see these socks, and I was like, "This is the Ava." This is. So we brought, we had. I bought all of all of them that we could get. We gave a bunch of them to Ava. I think we. I think we had them at Pulp Fest, uh, the last Pulp Fest too. I think I had them on the table. But yeah, they're a little narrow for my uh, for my stems. <laughs> Oh, did, she was on the whiskey flask? I don't know how she's on it, but you look at the whiskey flask, right? That was definitely one of their products, the whiskey flask. I know that. Because I did a lot of junk stuff. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, now, we're talking about her advertising work, and perhaps her most uh, famous contribution to the advertising world, uh, Mike had mentioned earlier. <laughs> I'd buy that. Actually, I was around then too. But. So what you're seeing here is not the original, original edit of the commercial as it aired at the time, but the ad had s such uh, such appeal in its time that it was later 
reuse. So as you saw at the end, it came in the, the more contemporary Brill Cream packaging, the color. Uh, I can't really think of any other product that really went back to the 60s to launch or to relaunch their campaign. So it's just a testament to the, the power of that image. And of course, there were many at the time. It was um, uh, Bill Keane, who, uh, the cartoonist who created the Family Circus. Um, he actually had a, um, did a comic strip, a one-panel comic strip, a gag uh, panel uh, that featured Ava. And when she saw that, she just was over the moon. She, she said that of all the, the attention and acclaim she got for the Brill Cream ad, she said that is, she called that her little treasure. Um, now, another aspect of, of modeling for Ava um, that also there is, it's, there's still a lot of mystery out there, is her work as a paperback, uh, as a model for paperback covers. Um, these are some of the covers. Ava did have a collection of her paperbacks for a long time. However, uh, her garage flooded, I think it was sometime in the 80s, and destroyed almost all of them. And unfortunately, she didn't chronicle uh, or didn't make a note of what they were. So when we started looking for Ava paperback covers, there was quite a bit of uh, detective work involved. Um, we still, again, like the, like the crime and romance magazines, we're not really sure just how many Ava covers are out there. So we're always looking. And uh, today, uh, we, there was a discovery today where we thought we had found one. Um, but Bob, Bob was less convinced that that one was Well, Ava. that particular one. But it was a beacon, I think. That was a McGuire cover, Robert McGuire, and I don't think he used Ava. But you know, most of, most of the paperbacks she did were for Al Rossi, an artist who did both paperbacks and men's adventure magazine art and some other kinds. These are her thoughts on uh, what it was like. What, I, again, it was a question of like, well, what was the mindset for when you're modeling for a paperback cover, and how did that differ from other other kinds of? Models? I've watched uh, covers from for books, book covers. It's a matter of just following whatever the story is or whatever they're trying to say in the book. Usually, it's you and a guy doing something. If it's a love story, that's the picture that they sell it with. You standing, uh, looking beautiful with him holding you in his arms or whatever. So that, that again, is a bit of acting. It's part of a story rather than just a picture. And as you can see, we were fortunate enough um, to, to have in Ava's collection some of the reference photography from, uh, from the artist Al Rossi, as you see there. Um, it, it's not always a situation where we find a shot that lines up perfectly with the artwork. But as you can see, it's pretty clear uh, that these are from those sessions. These are uh, some samples of Ava's work for the artist Al Rossi. Um, these, were, these were pieces that were done for men's adventure magazines, or as we call them, MAMs. And um, Bob, can you speak to just a, a, to a general introduction to, to the men's adventure magazines of that era? Yeah, just briefly, you know... The after World War II, as many of you know who are pulp mag fans, some of the, the major pulp uh, magazines like Adventure, Argosy, uh, Saga, they started to morph into men's adventure magazines. The character was a little bit different than the old pulp magazines. They weren't 
all fiction. They started to introduce nonfiction stories. They called a lot of them true, and it stretched the meaning of true. Uh, they, they started using true crime stories and things like that. And uh, the men's adventure magazine genre is an outgrowth, in my opinion, of uh, pulp mags, kept the, the tradition of painted covers, um, added new elements, uh, and for artists it was a great thing because many of the artists and some of the writers who worked for pulp mags went on to work for men's adventure magazines in the 50s and 60s. So they played a, for, for a number of the artists I've talked to and know about, they played a big role, especially in the realm of art. But some of the writers also kept going, and, they, and the men's adventure magazines often would reprint old pulp magazine stories too, H. Ryder Haggard and so forth, because I think probably because they didn't have to pay for them at that point. Ava's, uh, the illustrators that, Ava worked with two illustrators primarily um, in, in the work that she did for Men's Adventure magazines. Uh, there were a few others. She did work with, uh, with James Bama, of course, who who's, should be no stranger to anyone in this room. Um, but primarily Al Rossi uh, for interiors, and we'll, we'll come to the other artist uh, in a moment. But uh, this is, these are Ava's initial thoughts on uh, working on Al Rossi. Al Rossi was one of my favorite illustrators. He was so good. When I think about him uh, at the time, he was so giving and so uh, kind. And he took tons of pictures of me, and I think he's about the only one that actually gave me some of these illustration pictures, uh, which became very important later on because when we started doing the book, um, they would show the illustration plus the actual photo which it came from. And it's amazing how, how good, how good that was. Here's a, uh, probably a, my favorite Ava Al Rossi collaboration. And that's actually Al in the tub. Yeah. <laughs> Al model, or as I think of him, bathtub Al Rossi. And uh, his son actually was kind enough to yeah. supply us with the original artwork for that. But uh, Ava's very, very fond of Al Rossi. And as she was very fond of this next illustrator, Mr. Norm Eastman. And these are her thoughts on Norm Eastman. Norm Eastman. I absolutely adored the way he, he painted me. He did such a good job. And I'm so lucky to have some of these things now because <laughs> I looked so good then. And it's always nice, you know, when you get older to realize, hey, you know, I was pretty good looking in those days. And uh, yes, he, he caught me exactly. I mean, you can always tell this is me. Now, as you can see, the, the style of, uh, of action in the work that you did with Norm Eastman is somewhat different from the more, uh, I guess, slightly more subdued work she did with Al Rossi. And well, yeah, and that, that's, what's funny to me is when people think of the men's adventure magazine genre, these are the magazines that most people are familiar with and probably where the term sweat magazines came from, the nickname, you know, the, these are the most infamous ones with Nazis doing bad things to both women and American POWs, and then later, you know, bikers were doing bad things and so forth. Um, and and they, they're kind of notorious, but Ava is probably 
did more of those than, than uh, most of the other models. There were a couple others that did quite a few. Uh, Lisa Karen, Cher Height, who was famous for the Height Report, was, a, was an artist model who did a lot of, of sweat mag covers. Um, but we, I, I love these covers, even though they're like totally over the top, totally politically incorrect. One of the things people get wrong about them, in my opinion, is that anybody who sees a Nazi or a swastika somehow think it's glorifying Nazis. In fact, it's just the opposite. The Nazis were the bad guys. The main readership for these magazines were World War II veterans or later Korean War veterans, and, and they were also very popular at the PXs during the Vietnam War. And so there's nothing in these magazines that glorify Nazis whatsoever. And the idea of bondage and torture on cover art, as you all probably know, because you're pulp mag fans too, you got the weird menace pulp magazines. A lot of that stuff is even further over the top than some of the men's adventure magazine stuff. But it's also another link, I think, between the two genres, between pulps and men's adventure magazines. Now, you may have recognized both in the illustrations by Al Rossi as well as in these Norm Eastman pieces that Ava had a frequent co-star. Um, there's just another sample there. Uh, men's Adventure model Steve Holland and paperback model and actor Steve Holland. Uh, a very, very familiar face. Of course, he's the... Uh, the face of the, of the Bantam Doc Savage uh, reprints, as well as the Avenger, as well as... Countless. Countless. Yeah, countless is the word. Um, and Ava and Steve uh, worked together quite well. They, um, their relationship was strictly professional, but artists recognized that they had a certain chemistry, they worked well together, and they worked together very, very frequently. And of course, I worked with... Uh... Steve Holland and uh, the two of us worked a lot together and there's no question when I see his face then I pretty well know it's me with him at a certain time of course not always he had that incredible face that you can't miss but I worked with uh, Steve Holland for both Al Rossi and Norm Eastman a whole lot and I'm so happy to have had that experience. Another aspect of uh, Ava's modeling, as well as Steve's modeling career, is uh, they would frequently play multiple characters in the same scene, uh, which once you're looking for that, you see it all the time, but it was a very economical way uh, for the artist to capture the reference photography that they needed to create the work while only having two models for a session. And it definitely... Um, it required a, obviously required a certain chemistry, and it also required some real professionalism as actors. Uh, you have to imagine, for, for those of us who are not performers, the idea of going into basically an empty room in front of a photographer and the photographer saying, okay, you're going to be escaping, uh, you need to be climbing up a wall, and Stevie, and in order to sell that, you've really got to be invested, you've really got to commit to it, which can be an awkward thing for people who don't act for a living or perform for a living. And that was a, another great thing about Ava and Steve is just the way that they, that they had that chemistry, that professionalism, they locked right in, and they were essentially performing for the still camera. Uh, some more thoughts from Ava on that. 
Uh, Rossi and Norm Eastman are my two favorite people, uh, the ones I work for more than anybody else. They're both fantastic artists, and they're very similar in the fact that they draw what they see. Uh, for example, Al Rossi used me for some things that I wasn't me. So he would change it a bit. For example, he painted me as a Korean lady at one point, but I could still see it was me. And luckily I had that uh, picture to prove that it was me. So uh, very similar, very good, very nice people, very considerate, never making passes, uh, you know, none of that stupid stuff. I always felt very comfortable modeling with both of them, and certainly with Steve, who was always a gentleman too. A very, very good experience in my life that I really enjoyed talking about even, because it was so nice. And as you can see in this particular illustration, one of many, every character in there is depicted by either Ava or Steve. Uh, and they were just adjusted uh, in, the, in the rendering. Well, when it comes to acting, for illustrations, it's very important that you know what the story is. And uh, it takes, of course it takes acting, but it also takes modeling because you can't keep moving around. You pretty much have to uh, just stay, you're not in the same position. You can move a bit while the, the illustrator is taking the pictures, but you are acting a part out. Whatever the illustrator said, no, we're going to do this and that, and you are this and that. And the same thing, I, I mostly worked with Steve, who is a very good actor, too. And the reason we worked so well together is because we automatically knew what the illustrator wanted from us, and we went into those poses and, and those feelings, and uh, that's how it worked, acting and modeling. Something else that's kind of curious about Ava, um, as I had mentioned before, she really didn't track her appearances, often didn't know when or where they, she would be appearing. It was only later in life uh, when her uncle, who had, was also living in New York, uh, she discovered her uncle had been keeping scrapbooks. Her uncle had clearly been hitting the newsstands, looking for his niece, and kept these beautiful scrapbooks, which for Ava were a revelation because she had not seen many and many of these pieces. And it, I'm sure it was pretty impressive to her to see, at that point to see just how much she'd done. <laughs> when you're not keeping score, it can get out of, uh, get out of control. All the stuff I modeled for, especially the illustrations uh, and, and such, was much later in life that I actually saw the magazines they appeared in because it never occurred to me to look for any early on because I would never know when they were coming out. But once I finally found them and started looking at the, the illustrations that were painted, for example, uh, Norm Eastman always got me exactly right. I always recognized myself in his painting, except occasionally uh, I wasn't sure because it could have been me or I wasn't sure if it really was, but mostly I knew. And the same thing with, with Al Rossi. He also did illustrations incredibly well. He took a lot of pictures, of course, and he painted from the pictures. But I could always tell that this was me. Not always, but mostly, let's say, that this was me. And it was sort of fun to see, really fun to see later in life. And now as the, as the Men's Adventure magazine came to a close, Ava uh, moved on to different pastures as well. 
after I left New York, uh, for the final time, I was back and forth a couple of times, but after I left for the final time, I did some some very nice uh, parts in television shows, and which I enjoyed very much. And, uh, oh, it's hard to talk about all those years because so much happened. I did some stage work, which I really loved. Um, what else did I do? Oh, yes, I made a movie in Australia, working with uh, Bobby Rydell for one person who he was uh, a very good singer. He still is. I think he's still performing. And uh, what else? I came back to Los Angeles. I joined an acting group where I met my present husband, Warren Munson, who is also an actor and a very good one. I am still doing commercials whenever I get a job. It's just great. I have at the moment a commercial called Vista Print running. It's called Vista Print Fish because it has to do with a bunch of fish coming on board and the slapping people in the face. And it's rather funny, actually. So I am still working with commercials whenever I can get one. I love it and it's fun. And uh, Ava's wish is our command. partner in an ever-changing world. And these days, uh, just to keep going, I'm involved in an improvisational group, which I truly love. It's a lot of fun because you don't have to remember lines for one thing. You make it up as you go. <laughs> that sure helps a lot when you can't remember your name. So I'm having a good time anyway. I'm still alive. I'm having fun. I love what I did, I love what I'm doing, and that's about it. Hello, PodFest people. I am so very sorry that I can't be with you at this time. I so wanted to. When Mike Chomko last year asked me to come as a special guest to PodFest and talk about my book, Men's Adventure Supermodel, which had just come out, I was thrilled to death. This was so beautifully put together by Bob Dice and Wyatt Doyle, and I love the book, so I hope you like it too. Anyway, I wanted just to mention a couple of things from my life in the 50s and 60s, which is, seems to have been coming back. Suddenly people are more interested in those magazines now than a long time in between. So. My name has popped up on eBay, on magazine covers, and uh, also on photos, and they sell for a ton of money, so much so that I can't even afford to buy my own magazines, <laughs> which I have uh, a few of, finally. I never did collect them in the beginning because I never knew where they were going to show up. So I loved working with the illustrators in the 50s and 60s. For example, Al Rossi, who did mostly inside uh, stories that people wrote and he illustrated. 
I worked for him a lot, uh, usually with uh, Steve Holland, who was a brilliant artist uh, and performer. We worked so well together, and I loved working with him. And then, of course, early 60s, Norm Eastman shows up and asks me to pose for him. Now, he did mostly the outside covers of these men's magazines, which were either horrible torture things by the Nazis, and I was a victim with strangling and who knows what. Or I was a hero with a gun shooting my way out of some confinement. And usually, Steve was with me on all those too. He was either my savior or he was one of the torturers. But you should know that there was no real torture going on because there were no, no uh, torture instruments in the studio. All I had to do was pose, and Norm would take pictures, lots of pictures, as Al did also. And then they would um, put in all the rest of it in painting, and they were both brilliant. So anyway, mostly that's what I did, and that's what's so important right now because there's so many magazines out again. So anyway, uh, what else can I say? Mostly my story is in my book, in case you want, I want to look at it. And also Bob and Wyatt had some pictures that I signed ahead of time, in case you want some of those. So all I can say is I hope you're having a good time. And please, please take care of yourself. Get vaccinated so we can get rid of this horrible plague, which is really ruining everybody's lives. I wish I could be with you. I love you all. Thank you so much for listening to me. And I send you lots of love and hugs. And thank you so much. She, she did. She, she did. She, she's prepared that video. And then she said, oh, I completely forgot something. And by the way, my name is Eva von Felix Munson, also known as Eva Lind. I should have mentioned that. <laughs> Outstanding job, Wayne. Thanks very much. Uh, if there, I don't know if we have time for questions. Are we out of time? Any questions? Yes. Obama? Yeah, Doc Savage never put a girl on the cover. And then he also said that she would have been the ideal Pat Savage. Absolutely. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Any other questions? Yes. Did, was she able to make a living doing this? Did she, she well off? She, or she had other income? You know, that's a, good, that's a good question. I mean, she certainly, she worked for years and years. Um, that's a that's a very good, I don't really have an answer for that question actually, but yeah I mean that was put it this way once she started modeling and acting, that was the only work she, that's the work she did for the rest of her life. Starting off she did she had mentioned she worked at Traffs uh, as a waitress in the department store and and uh, had some jobs like that more more conventional work but yeah for the rest I mean that's what she's been doing since the fifties. Off and on, she had a few things. She she worked at a radio station for a while, as I recall. And actually, she yeah, she worked for Wolfman Jack. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Last question. Yes. The, the cover of the, what's the story of that? That photo over that 
the, the cover of the book where she's firing it. That is a cover from what's that's the cover from the postcard. Yeah. That I'm trying to remember what magazine that's that's that, from. That one is where's credit for that? I forget which issue it is. Yeah. It was it was a magazine cover for sure. It's one of her favorite it's uh it was from New Man, December sixty eight, and it and it's a Norm Eastman painting. A hard one to find. Yeah, for obvious reasons. I mean it's it, it might might be my favorite Ava cover, I think. She just looks so spectacular. Also, we like this image because it sort of puts to uh, the idea that the, that, they're, that the men's adventure magazines were only about tormenting women or women as victims. It's, uh, the great thing about Ava is she was a, uh, a real kick-ass heroine uh, as well. And the covers, as you can see, are just spectacular where she's depicted a, from a stronger kind of character. She very briefly, she said, when she did the Hogan's Heroes, she did go back to her original name of von, uh, von Felix, but then she went back to Ava Lind. In the, I think on the Cagney and Lacey, which was, I think, her last series television appearance, um, from, the, the, from the first episodes of Cagney and Lacey when Meg Foster was on the show. So you don't really see those pop up as much because... The, they changed the uh, the actress out, but I think that was her last one. She was back to Ava Lynn by then. Thank you. You've been listening to a Pulp Event podcast brought to you by the PulpNet, your link to the online world of the pulp magazines for over 25 years. Please visit us online at thepulp.net. Also, look for the PulpNet on Facebook and on Twitter. Thank you for listening, and keep reading the pulps. The Pulp Event Podcast is copyright 2021.